Have Republicans once again found the wrong way to do the right thing? I'm Scott Ott with Stephen Green and Bill Whittle, and this episode of Right Angle is brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. Gentlemen, by the time folks see this video, which we're recording on Tuesday, the 8th of August, it will be decided in Ohio. That is the ballot referendum on issue number one, which would amend the state constitution to increase the vote count needed to amend the state constitution, essentially. <laughs> right now, you can amend the Ohio state constitution with a, a, a referendum on a ballot at, that registers 50% of the electorate plus one. So that's just a bare majority. Uh, the referendum in issue one would do, among other things, bump that percentage up to 60%, so make it close to a supermajority percentage. It would do a couple of other things too, just to get an initiative on the ballot instead of requiring uh, signatures from 5% of the electorate in 44 of Ohio's 88 counties. It would require 5% of the electorate's signatures in 88 of Ohio's 88 counties so that you would have a broad representation across the state. Um, now, this is, uh, as many in the media have characterized it, essentially a proxy battle over abortion because in November, a ballot initiative will appear that will uh, effectively legalize abortion or increase what they call abortion rights in the state of Ohio. And this is a Republican effort to get out ahead of that to make it so that for that to pass in November, the abortion rights issue to pass in November as part of the state constitution, will it will require a 60% um, almost supermajority in that. Um, I don't want to get into uh, the details, obviously, of, of what happened, because at this point in the time warp, I don't know what happened yet. <laughs> However, uh, Stephen Green, it occurs to me that this is this is a bad way to handle a constitution in general. And by, yes. by that, I mean two things. Number one, it's a bad way to make a constitution, if you make the constitution amendable on a 50% plus one vote, uh, that's a bad idea. And then the Republicans picking the wrong way to get to the right answer. Uh, the right answer is yes, bump it up to make it a higher threshold to amend the constitution. Uh, but the wrong answer is to hold a ballot initiative of your own it, that requires a 50% plus one <laughs> margin in August, shortly after you had previously said we should not have ballot initiatives in August. So the Republicans basically said no more ballot initiatives in August because it's kind of a low turnout election. Oh, by the way, now that the Democrats are doing this thing in November, we better get out ahead of that. So, yeah. uh, Steve, what do you say oh, uh, about this in, in this idea of being able to go to the voters and get a simple majority uh, vote in order to change a constitution in a state or in these United States. Yeah, um, and let's leave the abortion issue aside here. You know, passions run hot on on both sides, and it's really not germane to what we're talking about here because we're Correct. not talking about a specific issue. We're talking about the the nature of constitutional government. So I want to I, I want to stick to that. I think that's 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 the crux of the matter, is especially the way that that you set it up. Um, although I have to throw something out there, the law is so convoluted, especially in a republic that's that's as old as ours is now. There's there, there's not just law and precedent and constitution and tradition on the books, but we've wrapped ourselves into so many knots that Obamacare was able to become law on 51 votes, but was unable to be repealed with 59 votes. 
due to uh, reconciliation that 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 said you were supposed to need 60 votes to get this thing passed. They use reconciliation to to pass it with 51 to get over the filibuster. But even though they passed it with the filibuster busting reconciliation, they still need the full 60 to 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 repeal it. So. We've got a lot of we've got a lot of uh, uh, cruft in our in our system now. I'd kind of like to get rid of some of that if I could. But when it comes to the Constitution, there's a reason the founders did a couple of things. The first thing they did is they made it difficult for popular passions to become law. They 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 had the House big turnover every two years, um, and and legislation, especially involving uh, uh, taxes and and spending, all has to to originate there. And that's good. You want the popular passions there. But then there's the Senate, which uh, much slower turnover every six years. Uh, so it was one third each every two years. And that's where the Senate was supposed to be where bad ideas go to die and probably even a, a few good ones as well. But that was supposed to yeah. slow down. It was supposed to put the brakes on popular passions. And the other was how difficult it is to amend the Constitution. Because the idea was, okay, we're pretty sure we've got this right. We've, 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 we've hammered this out over a long summer. We're sending this to the states to adoption. But if down the line people want to change this thing, there, there's, there's a high bar to clear. Because you don't want popular passions impacting constitutional governance. That's the House's job. The, just the issues of the day, that's for the House. And it's the same thing with state constitutions. I'm, I'm just, uh, we've had a, we've had some good referenda here in Colorado over the years. That's that's fine, but the result is never more important than a healthy, than a healthy small R Republican constitutional process. And this idea that you can change the constitution on on the whim of an off year small turnout election. It is antithetical to everything that big R Republicans are supposed to believe in. Bill Whittle, um, the turnout, they're raving on the news as I was watching and listening and reading today. Um, they were raving that the turnout uh, could be north of 700,000 to 800,000 voters. They had a pre, they had an early voting turnout as of last Friday of 578,000. And they were pointing out that that far exceeded the 200 and I think it was 280 some in May of 2022. And then in August last year, they did another uh, election and that was like 143,000. So this was a much bigger turnout. However, the population of Ohio is like 11.7 million. There are something like uh, just over 8 million registered voters in Ohio. So even if they get 800,000 people to vote on issue one, you're still looking at like 1% of the electorate. Um, in a, in a good year, like a 2022, you know, uh, mid-year elections, about 4 million people came out to vote for the statewide offices like senator, governor, and stuff like that. Um, it's still, it, it's, it, the people on the left are saying, hey, it's one man, one vote, majority rules. Uh, Bill, why shouldn't majority rule when it comes to uh, amending the Ohio Constitution or any other states? You... The, the perfect balance in the U.S. Constitution is that it is a constitution to the degree that it is uh, abiding. It is, it is essentially unchanging. It is a, a rock that you can build uh, further legislation on and so on. But at the same time, the founders understood that 
there, there is certainly the case where times will change over the centuries and important changes should be something that you would allow this to do. Otherwise, it is, in fact, a, a dead document. So the question then becomes, since it's desirable to have something that's stable and, and dependable and reliable and is preserving things, and at the same time, something that does have the ability to be changed as over time with, with large changes, where do you set the tuning point? What, where do you set it? The lower you set it, the, the weaker the Constitution becomes. The higher you set it, the less, re, the less uh, agreeable to change it is. And it's supposed to be disagreeable to change, but not impervious to change. I think that the, that the uh, as usual, that the balance needed to change the Constitution as outlined in the federal Constitution is just about perfect. It's not impossible, but it's difficult. And it's very difficult. Now, I live in California, which is the home of um, governance by um, referendum. Yes. Governance, governance by propositions. And it's an absolute catastrophe. Uh, it's a catastrophe for several reasons. From, from the very simplest point of view, it's a catastrophe because the, pe the people who write these propositions are allowed to write them in such a way where you're basically saying, are you opposed to free health care? And you vote yes. Yeah. And that's actually a no. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean. It, 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 it's it's never in plain language. So so there's that. But basically, Scott, the whole problem with this whole idea of of referendums and, and so on is you are essentially taking um, the, uh, the 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 bypass the, the the freeway bypass away from government. We, that's what government's job is to do. Government is supposed to make these decisions because at least theoretically. Government will have debate and will have uh, majorities and there will be rules, discussions, procedures. You can't just plain fiat it into existence. So these referendums to me are just one step, just one step above uh, executive orders, which I think presidential executive orders are, are, are a direct contravention of everything that the Constitution's about. Well, the law says this, but I've decided that we're going to do this. So I'm the president, so I'm signing it. That's, that's just plain dictatorship, all of it. So if you have an issue in California, for example, let's say you want to um, – well, one of the big ones was legalizing uh, voting on Indian uh, uh, reservations. That was just gigantic. And there were these enormous campaigns, and there are every year in California on television telling you the 100 good reasons why you should vote yes on Prop 102, and then here's 100 good reasons on why you should vote no on Prop 102. There's never a debate on Prop 102, and most people don't have the time to really get into this. So it's just a question of who can write the better description of what it is they want. People vote for it, and congratulations, your entire representative democracy has just been short-circuited. There's been no debate, no, no discussion, no, no bill from the House to the Senate, no reconciliation, no signing by the governor, none of it. All of that stuff's just gone. And so I am opposed to all of these things because they are a shortcut to tyranny. If I can think of the Let's Save Puppies and, 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 and Veterans Bill and put whatever the hell I want in this thing and phrase it in such a way that nobody can say no to it, I can accomplish whatever tyranny I want to. The, all of these popular referendums are, are designed to short circuit the, the Democratic Republican process. And that's why people use them. And if you have an issue that really urgently requires an issue, like requires being addressed, like the uh, issue of, 
of, gov- of gambling on Indian casinos in California, then that's something that the legislature should take up and debate and discuss and decide. And if the population is not happy with the outcome, then you vote for new legislators. That's the theory. And it works for me. And believe it or not, I've twice run into this issue in my own life, once rather directly when I was a, a county commissioner of a county in Pennsylvania. And one of my colleagues on my side of the aisle, as they say, uh, proposed that we require a voter referendum if the commissioners uh, wish to increase taxes above a certain threshold. And I oppose that measure. And the reason why I oppose that measure is because I thought that the county commissioners should be accountable to the, the voters for what they did. And it was their responsibility to look at the budget, to cut the budget, to raise taxes if necessary, to cut taxes as we actually did while I was in office. Um, And so that was our responsibility. And my colleague was trying to shirk that off onto the voters, which would then uh, be, you know, basically who shows up at an off-year election and who is most effective at putting together an advertising campaign to get the people that you want to show up. And, you know, obviously the people with an interest in this are people who work for government, not just directly for county government, but who work for school districts, who work for other branches of government. All those people and their uh, their collective unions would all be very motivated to get out there and say, yeah, vote for the big tax increase. And I thought if a tax increase was going to happen, we should have to vote on it, yes or no. And if we said yes, then we have to face the voters at the next election. Uh, then I moved to Texas and I thought we're not going to deal with any of that nonsense here. But one of the first political <laughs> meetings I ever went to in Texas, it was a top statewide government official who was telling us uh, that they wanted to pass something so that there had to be, if a local municipality wanted to raise its tax rate, uh, there would have to be a voter referendum. And I, and I raised my hand and I said, why should the state have anything to do with what the local municipality uh, what does with their tax rate? Why don't you let the voters in the local municipality decide what they want their tax rate to be instead of trying to control that? And the, and the answer that the guy gave me from the state was, well, people call our office and they're upset about their local taxes. And so, therefore, we have to take give, action. Give them the right number. <laughs> That's right. Give, transfer the call. And so, yeah. so both those things happen. And this all brings me back, this Ohio situation brings me back to something that James Madison said when they said, we need to have a Bill of Rights within the Constitution because if we don't have a Bill of Rights, our rights are in jeopardy. And Madison's basic response, and I paraphrase, was the Constitution doesn't say anything about speech and religion and guns, and I'd like to keep it that way. It has nothing to do with any of those things. But if you put those words in the Constitution, then people will think that the federal government has some significant role to play there. And next thing you know, you're debating what kind of role, not just saying there's no role because it's not in the Constitution. See, ultimately, the Constitution of Ohio is being held hostage right now over a particular issue. This issue happens to be abortion. People going to the polls in August who know they'll be going to the polls in November to vote about abortion in August are voting about abortion when they should be voting about what to do about amending the state constitution and how that process works. Republicans have not done the wrong thing in trying to get a 60% vote and wider uh, requirements to get a ballot initiative going. They're doing the right thing. They're just doing it at the wrong time. They should have done it a long time ago. They should have actually got come to grips with the state constitution 
early on in their careers, every single one of them. And that's the problem. Every politician gets up on his hobby horse and has a special interest that he wants to please. And so he gets up there and crows about something where the fundamental processes of government are totally ignored. And then once you run into an issue like this, that is a process issue, it is then held captive to a political issue. And that's, it cannot come out well either way. Now, who knows? By the time you see this video, you know the outcome of this. And you and then if you know the outcome, you may know what's going to happen in November. But I think at some point, Republicans especially, but Democrats, I would wish too, would get serious about understanding the difference between a framework of law and laws themselves. The Constitution is a framework. The Constitution is not a legislative initiative that happens periodically at the behest of the voters and that you toss it out to them. Um, and then finally, uh, let me just say this, that it doesn't matter whether it's a majority or a supermajority or a minority or a superminority or elected representatives. None of them has the right to make it legal to kill a minority of Ohioans or any other state. And so all of this should not be entangled in that issue whatsoever. There should be no ballot initiative in November enshrining the right to kill some Ohioans by other Ohioans. But in any case, it should be isolated from changes to the Constitution. Now, if you're watching this from some other state, Here's your opportunity to get on your local representatives to, the, to your General Assembly and say, hey, how does our Constitution work? Not because we want to change it to head off the pro-life or pro-choice movements, but because we want to have an actual Constitution, like I believe we do at the federal level and like I pray that we cling to for the long term. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com for making Right Angle possible.